Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Discipleship Podcast, where we record conversations around Christian discipleship issues that are meant to inspire your own faith conversation and help you on your walk as we all journey towards Jesus together. My name is Rob Schaff, and I'm the pastor of discipling at Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church in Chilliwack, BC, Canada. And today I'm talking with John Weber, who is passionate about seeing men in the church dive deeper in their discipleship journey. On today's episode, we're talking about the importance of group Bible study in the life of a disciple of Christ. John Weber, it has been so long and it is so good to have you here today. I'm glad that we get to talk about Bible studies and group Bible studies and why it's important to do it with other people. Well, it's I'm delighted to be back. It's been a, a while, as you say, but this is an important subject. We have to be prepared for what's ahead of us and uh, God... And through Jesus' own word, it's provided a lot of information and warnings that we better get into the word and be there. When I think of be prepared, I think of be prepared of absolutely everything from like, oh man, like big decision in life. I need to know maybe what God thinks about this or, uh, or you know, even littler things like what are we going to do this weekend with the kids or the family or, or who am I going to spend my time with or whatever. Like God has opinions on everything. If we're supposed to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then that tells me that he's a part of our decision-making process. But how can we know what Jesus' thoughts are without looking at Jesus' words? So there's that element of the here and now. But I'm amazed that we don't hear Matthew 24 talked about much anymore. And that's where Jesus spoke specifically about being prepared for what is coming. Now, 2,000 years ago, nobody had any idea that Jesus would be more than 2,000 years in returning. But here we are, and the conditions in the world today have never been more uh, in order or global to let these type of events happen. So Jesus says, uh, look at wars, famines, uh, political intrigue, all that type of stuff in Matthew 24. It's going to happen. False teachers are going to come, and we've had discussions about that in the past. And all this is going to happen, and it's going to come like a thief in the night when Jesus comes, it says. But he says, if we're Christians, if we're in the Word, brothers and sisters, we shouldn't be in darkness. This day should not surprise us like a thief. So that tells me that if you're not ready for the return of Christ, then we're not prepared. And the only way we can be prepared is listening for the voice of God. And the best way to do that is to get into the Word of God, right? So if you're listening for the Word, you got to get in there. And I think Bible study is so, so good for that. One of the things that studying the Bible does is is it calibrates your heart to see what God is up to. Do you know what I mean? And so sometimes in life, like especially these days, life can be pretty scary. It can feel like, what are we doing? And, um, and I think that um, the Bible helps us to understand not only what we are doing, but what God is doing and what the world is up to. So that when we see these big kind of scary stuff happening in the world, um, we as Christians, we're not shaken. Do you know what I mean? Like we have that faith that is rooted in something real and tangible and Sometimes it takes like a lot of real practical work. It's not this magical thing where you show up on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden you leave and you have all the answers. It's like, no, like sometimes in life there are big questions and God has big answers in the Bible, but you have to kind of like read them and study them and know them and get into it. And and sometimes um, as a one player game, that can be really daunting. And, and I think that that's one of the 
beautiful things about the church is that we have each other. We have each other's strengths and giftings and, and we're not meant to tackle each of these problems, us in our Bible alone in a closet trying to figure out what, what it says, you know, like we actually have the advantage of other people's experience, other people's wisdom and knowledge of having read over the years and, and we can interact. And so I think that doing Bible study with other people is awesome and amazing because I think that you can uh, learn from other people and from their interpretation and, and stuff like that. But also just, um, you know, uh, they might know a good place to turn if there's a specific issue that you're kind of facing. And so um, one thing, uh, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I think that that's so good. I think that's why we, we kind of study the Bible as a group. God speaks to us through many means. And the Bible is one, obviously, prayer, and through people in the church. It's clear. It talks about that uh, in Romans, uh, about the church being a group and a body, and everybody plays a part. Uh, in my background of human resources and doing personnel and character assessments, I came to realize just how different everybody is. Nobody is alike. And I'm going to simplify it, but some people look at uh, the world as if the glass is half empty. Others look like it half full. Well, if I'm the half empty one, I'm going to read Revelation as an example, and I'm going to be fearful of all everything. If I'm the glass full, I'm going to be looking for the pause. Hey, Christ's return. How wonderful is that after maybe a little pain or something like that? Well, on both sides, we both have to learn. And if we try to do this on our own, we're only going to get a, a piece of the whole picture. Studying the Bible, it helps us to prepare. It helps us to calibrate our hearts. Um, I think it's really interesting how uh, it also helps us to, like you just alluded to, get to know each other better because when we study the Bible together, we get to see kind of the different leanings that we have, the different makeups, like some people glass half full, some people glass half empty, but we need each other to kind of like balance each other's perspective out. But it also like draws us deeper into relationship with the living God. We're told in Matthew 22 to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now think about the entirety, the holistic look at how we're supposed to love God. But then he talks about what the second commandment is. And by the way, the two commandments, everything is based on it, he says, is love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? And there's been a lot of sermons on that. But it is other people in the church. And do we love appropriately? Are we building and getting into relationship with those that we sit in the pew with every week or maybe share online. But we, we have to be, we are relational. God made us relational. I'm reminded too of Hebrews 4.12 where it says, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so uh, loving God with all of your mind, right? And, and the word of God, you know, uh, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's an interesting, an interesting thing. Small groups aren't all about socializing. Yeah. It's about building honest, authentic relationship 
that is based on the study and and adherence to what God says in Scripture. I'm a part of a number of Bible studies in our church, one with our young adults, as well as I'm in a life group where we do uh, a Bible study. And one of the things that I love about Bible study, when you start reading the Scripture together and you hear the different ways that people are thinking through it in their own lives, um, you know, you definitely get a deeper understanding of, of who they are, but you also just get to witness firsthand how God's Word, uh, you know, it is alive. It speaks to people in, in, in very direct situations. And I just, I love that. I find it so thrilling when you kind of walk into a room not knowing quite what to expect, and then you open this book, this ancient book, and then God speaks very clearly uh, into the lives of the people who have gathered around you. And I find that just so uh, exciting and edifying. I love it. And I agree with you. I, I think it's wonderful. And to see answered prayer. John, let's talk about commitment to a group and commitment to the idea of, of Bible study being a thing that you should want regularly in your life. Because I think that some of the really good things that can happen coming out of a Bible study that we should want, like a deeper relationship with God and a deeper level of commitment to obeying like what is written in the Word and stuff like that, I think that a group Bible study can be really helpful for that because there's that level of, of accountability that's built in. Like when there's authentic compassion in a group and people are really caring about each other in a group and, and you're reading the same thing with this group week after week and you're having conversations where you're saying, what does this change in our lives? Like how does this spur us forward? And you're saying, well, here's what I'm going to do this week coming out of this, what I read. I think that in that context, it becomes possible to, in a loving way, with people supporting you, uh, it becomes possible to actually follow through on some of the changes that you read. And I think without that discovery Bible study, it's a discover, it's a it's a Bible study method. And, and tell me a little bit about how like accountability to what you're reading works in a DBS. Well, you read a section of scripture and you studied it and you got something out of it and you made some decisions of how you thought that applied to your life. Sure. And even in the group you actually share, you say, hey, this is kind of what I think this is saying to me. That's right. You yeah. you go through that. And and then at the end of the previous week after you studied, you, you essentially say after some prayerful thought, you know, this is something I should change in my life, or this is something that I should work a little harder on, or something I should give more praise for. Yeah. And then you come to this week... And say, how was it? Yeah. Did, did you think about those things during the week? Right. Now, my experiences in the studies that I've gone through, oftentimes somebody will say, you know what? Uh, I really don't have anything to report on that this week. Yeah. And it, that is okay. Yeah. Because if it wasn't okay, then why would you bother coming back? That's right. Uh, but there are some people that say, you know, it had an impact in my life. I love that. And one of the things that I love about it too is that when you're in a group study, studying the Bible as a group, you're there with people who care enough to ask the question the next week, how did it go this week? Do you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes it's possible to, to see that level of commitment and accountability, to see that as like, oh no, I better do it or else I'm going to get browbeat. But that's not the idea at all. The idea is that you are paying enough attention to what God is saying in that person's life that you can follow up on it. It's it's a discipline that we kind of have to like be trained to do. And it's hard 
to learn how to check up on somebody if it's a one-player game. Like, it needs to be a part of a group. And I think that that's one of the the genius strengths of the DBS. People that get it, they get it, right? They get that it's not about browbeating. It's not about making feel people feel guilty about themselves. They get that it's about just learning the discipline of caring enough about other people's discipleship journey to ask, hey, last week we were reading about this, and, and how's it going this week? I love that. I think that that's... That's awesome. Um, I think that also speaks to some other of the other things that are are beneficial to being in a group Bible study, right? So you know, like with the Bible, we're we're um, growing deeper in relationship with God. We're growing deeper in relationship with each other. We're getting prepared for kind of like what this world um, is going to be thrown at us, and then that kind of spills out in other ways too. The early church, if you get into Acts two and Acts four, I believe it is. You find out that they were praying, which you would expect, but they did all kinds of things that they were motivated to do. And, and the Spirit, we, we know from Acts, that the Spirit had come into the church. And, and so when I read through the list in Acts 2, 42 to 47, this is what I see. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They fellowshiped together. They actually did the sacraments in their homes uh, and there's no reason a small group can't do that. They prayed. They had everything in common. And I think that talks about there wasn't uh, discrimination. Because in the early church, there were those that had, those that didn't. Uh, and we have stories in Acts about that type of thing. They, like in the case of some were selling their property just to help those that had needs. They did go to church. They went to the temple courts regularly. Uh, they actually had meals. They'd invite friends over. They had sincere hearts and authenticity, and they praised gods and worshipped. Isn't that what a small group should look like? For the purposes of discipling, hearing God's word, and discerning his will, the issue of dividing into smaller clusters is a practical matter. This isn't some supernatural miracle thing that happens. This is practical. There are just some things that you can do in a smaller group better than a big group. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like when I was the youth pastor, our youth group, we started with 20 kids and a group of 20 people. Uh, it's pretty big, but you can, everybody can kind of speak up and have their voice heard. You get to 30 people, it's like you can't. So you split the group into two groups of 15 and then everybody can ask their questions again, right? And everyone has a voice. But as soon as the, the group gets a little too large, then it becomes a little harder to kind of find a place. And, and some people like to kind of like, you know, go into a, a larger group and kind of backbench where they don't really have to speak up. And that's there's nothing like inherently wrong with that. But what we're talking about is that you can't really have your questions answered uh, if you're going to backbench and never really speak up, right? And so that's one of the reasons why it's so important to, to be able to speak up. It's interesting because um, in Colossians 3, when it talks about how they're supposed to gather and worship, uh, it says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so I think that's an interesting idea that teaching and admonishing one another. And then also um, later, I think it's in Corinthians. Yeah. What shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Like the idea that Everybody is kind of supposed to be taking some level of ownership in how they are encouraging one another with the Word of God. And I think that that's just 
just genius. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not actually called to be passive consumers in our church interaction. We are called to be active participants and contributors to the experience of, of one another. And, and I think that that's genius. You see it in the, in the early church where they're, yeah, they're providing for the needs of one another. Like that just, it's, it's a grassroots movement of everybody taking care of each other. And I think that we have an opportunity to do that today. It's all find its roots, I think, in, in interaction with the word of God. I think that when people do that as a group, um, a lot of this is like a natural outflowing. And sometimes people get that and sometimes people don't. But what I know for sure is that I think that there needs to be more people that just give it a shot. Do you know what I mean? We haven't even talked about the Great Commission aspects of Bible study. And so that's Matthew 28, where, where Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you all to the end of the age. Uh, but that baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Well, how do I know what... Jesus has commanded, how do I know what to obey if I haven't read the scriptures and heard how people interpret that in the culture we live in, which is difficult, and yet there is so much need out there to be like Jesus. This is a commandment. We are to help others come to know him and obey him. We're not called to just have spiritual opinions. We're called to actually get into the word of God and know Jesus, know God better, and then to bring that into our conversations with people. Oh man, Paul sometimes rants at people saying, you know, it's like, it's like I keep, you, you crave spiritual milk and what you really need is the meat of what we believe. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, where he says, um, brothers and sisters, I couldn't address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not yet ready for it. And indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. This idea that um, like this church, uh, they got the gospel and they received it. They got that milk, but they didn't crave more. And so Paul had to just keep giving them the basics. Right? One of the reasons that I decided to go to seminary at 60 years old was because I wasn't exactly sure who I was in Christ. Still, I was still trying to figure that out. And I found myself like the Bereans in Acts 17. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to make sure they were true. And I guess that was part of mine. I knew they were true, but I wanted to have the basis. I wanted to have the fundamental. What's in the book was right. So I went back to seminary. Like this church in Acts, this, this little group in Acts that, that really got it right because they, they heard it and they're like, oh, I wonder, we got to check that against the Bible. I think that we need to calibrate our hearts to want to check the things, the, the opinions that we have coming our way. We check it against the Bible, right? And, and, and I think sometimes we approach issues in this way where we're like, well, somebody just tell me the right answer. And it's like, man, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong way for a Christian to approach any issue in life. We shouldn't just be begging for people to tell us the right answer. We should be turning to the Bible and discerning for the Holy Spirit to lead us into a right way forward. You know what I mean? Like the, oh man, it's that old psalm, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Wouldn't it be nice if we looked at our small groups, life groups, whatever they are, whatever the group the church wants to call itself, that's just a cluster a cluster of people, people that just, into the small enough that they can study and be a small church in themselves if they could get the commendation that the Berean church got. Yeah. 
If that was the goal, I just want to be like the Berean church. Boy, would that ever help. Totally. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, his ways. And it, it reminds me of the power of stories in people's lives. I'm not sure if I've told you this before, but I'm an experiential learner. I wasn't very good in school because school is kind of a identified or has been built as an academic exercise. So I never was good, but if I had hands-on experience, it was very good. And I think Bible studies is like that. You go into a Bible study, there's going to be the academics, people that you know, have done all kinds of reading into the word, commentaries, and this type of thing, because that's natural to them. But you know what? They have a problem. Maybe they haven't applied it. Then you come to the guys that are experiential learners, and they have trouble getting through those books. But they have stories and experiences that are critical because they've seen God working in their life. You bring those two together, that is a powerful message. The academics get experience, stories, and the experiential learners understand what is behind it and how God's working in their lives. That's what small groups bring because it brings those nature of people to the... God always, I'm convinced, God brings the right people into a group at the right time, at the right mix. It's a work of God. Wouldn't you want to be in a small group? Thanks so much for listening to our conversation. The next podcast conversation that John and I record will deal with and address some common reasons why people don't engage in group Bible study and some possible solutions. Here's a couple questions to further your reflection on this topic. Do you read and study the Bible with others? Why or why not? And what practical role does the Bible play in helping you to process pressing issues in your life? Thanks again for listening, and if you have questions or comments, you can email me, rob at sardisfellowship.com, or you can email John, johnpodcast at shaw.ca, that's J-O-H-N podcast at shaw.ca, to join the conversation. As always, check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. Mm -hmm.